0: you guys doing today yeah? here <laughs> we need to do some up downs and do some stretches every point stay awake right I think that would help me too right <coughs> that was a good long day for everybody yesterday right yeah it was it was for us too so i uh, well, thank you all for being here today as we as we gather you know, we get to gather and give thanks we get to you know gather next Sunday and and take partake of communion and and fellowship with one another and live live life right you know as believers we're called to to share life together and to come and and open his word together so at the <clears throat> as we come to this week we're at the end of our study of the gospel of john chapter 11 and what really sticks out at the end of this chapter is the surprising lack of awe um, after a huge miracle you know awe is defined as a feeling of reverence, respect, mixed with fear or wonder. You now what we uh, see in today's text is the the people's reaction to the resurrection of Lazarus, and it is um, a lack of awe you know as i as I thought about this and studied. You can see that this isn't an isolated incident in the Bible. In fact, these, uh, these incidents are found throughout the text of Scripture. Uh, from the fall of humanity in the garden as they walked with God uh, to mankind's even uh, final rebellion against a physical kingdom and a physical ruling uh, Jesus in the book of Revelation. You know, the problem, the, the main problem that humanity faces at any chapter is sin. Pride wells up. You know, uh, we talked about boasting today. You know, we live in a culture of boasting, and uh, how, do we, how do we deal with that? Well, the antidote is, is love, right? Well, the solution to pride and the solution to sin is realizing and recognizing who the Lord is. And realizing and recognizing that he alone is in control. Not an easy task you know, on a tired Sunday morning. But Isaiah asks this Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, his understanding is unsearchable. It states, And that we would know who the Lord is, that we would know that he is the everlasting God. He is the creator who has formed and framed the heavens and the earth to the ends of the earth, as Isaiah puts it. He doesn't lose strength. He doesn't grow faint. He's not asleep at the wheel. He has all understanding and that we would be in awe of him and know who he is. Paul states this to the men of Athens upon Mars Hill, their Acropolis. He's talking to the elders and elites and he says this about God. The God who has made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor is served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He has made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places that they should seek. God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him, yet He is actually not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like silver or stone, sorry, gold or silver or stone an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The time, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead that is who the Lord is he has given us all life is in his hands and yet we have, we have fallen from him so he comes from us for us he comes, comes for us that we would repent that we would turn from our wrong thinking and our wrong actions and come to him through the one that is righteous the man, the man Jesus Christ. Let's uh, start with a word of prayer. Father God, uh, thank you for today. Thank you for this day that is just nice and cool. It's very refreshing. We thank you for this time to sing, this time to Fellowship and be together and Lord, we thank you for all the blessings that you have given us that we can see the the whole of of the revelation of God that you have revealed yourself and your word and I just pray as we we study this last part of John chapter eleven that you would be with us, Lord, give us understanding and insight to the text, help us to understand. you are and what you have done for us. Help us understand our our hearts. And Lord, as we struggle with with different things, help us be just, just mindful of how sovereign, how amazing you are, and that we would be in awe of you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please uh, turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John chapter 11. And if if you need to, you're welcome to stand and stretch for a moment. Just move around, do a little dance. I'm not going to dance up here, that thing's on. (laughs) No no online streaming. No. John chapter 11. Verses. 45 and through 47, John records this. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. Now, last week we witnessed a grand miracle, right? The resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. And, and no one in all of history, biblical or otherwise, had been dead for four days, had started decomposing and smelled. And yet they now unwrapped him. They let him go as as Jesus had just told them to in 44. And now we we see the reaction of what many had personally witnessed. The text goes on saying many of the Jews, those had... Who had come to comfort mary and martha in their time of loss saw this this work this this wonder what jesus had done and they they believed in him they they too saw as mary and martha had stated and seen and spoken of even in their grief of their brother's death that jesus was different jesus could have changed things if he was there and, and yes they believed in him they, they too now testify with Mary and Martha that he is the one coming into the world. He is the Messiah, the Son of God, who has been revealed to humanity. They, they believed in Jesus. They personally placed their faith. Their reliance was resting upon the Messiah who came from God anointed one who is ready to change the world and the whole world one day would actually be given to him uh, please turn your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 7 Daniel chapter 7. We read this in verse 13 and 14. Daniel writes this I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom. One that shall not be destroyed. See, Daniel sees this in the night visions. With the clouds of heaven come a person like a son of man, one in the flesh, but yet one in the flesh that could actually approach God, the ancient of days being the Lord Almighty. And he was presented, the text says to the Lord, because he is blameless and he is holy. Because he is God. To him was given dominion and glory and kingdom. And and everyone, all nations, all languages should serve him. He will rule forever. And his kingdom will not be destroyed. You know, if, if the Bible says things like three times over, it's a for sure, right? You know, God is holy, holy, holy. This kingdom's not going away. It's not going away. And by the way, it's not going away. So it's a pretty resounding gong, right? Pretty resounding. Now this this man is the Messiah. The one in the flesh is Emmanuel, God with us, who is Jesus who will rule forever. And therefore all of all of humanity must deal with him in the text. Daniel says we should serve him and we cannot have heaven or god or peace or life without this man apart from him there's death and destruction of our lives and our soul punished in hell forever apart from him now this is a a big wonder of of mine, and I remember many a, a night actually in Bible college talking about this of this rebellion. You know why, why are there people in the Bible that see the works and wonders of the Almighty God and then choose not to believe, but to rebel? When you look at the entire story of Israel, what is going on? You look at you know, the fall of Lucifer come from heaven and we see all these different things the the text records this next in John but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done yet again throughout the entire gospel of John he shows this time and time again crowd is yet split again right it's split upon the Lord which happens throughout history And throughout the Gospels, there are those that believe and there are those that stay in the rebellion. These people here witnessed a dead man come back to life. And they went not to praise God, but to tell on him to the Pharisees. So now with this information, the Pharisees and the chief priests gather the council and ask a question. What are we to do for this man is performing many signs, and we may look at rebellion against God and wonder why. Why is this happening in the story? Why are these people? They they, they saw everything. They saw the even the tears of Jesus, and they saw his. They heard his words, and they saw Lazarus come out, and yet. They rebelled. But this is our problem, right? Humanity thinks we can make our own way. We can find life apart from God. We can find peace and happiness apart from him. We can make heaven on earth. But the truth is, is that we are all broken. And we all live in a broken world. Because we did not listen to God. So please turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis 3. Genesis 3 uh, verses 1 through 7 tell us this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that was little, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate then the eye, then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they soon sowed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths this is where it all began the rebellion starts with a simple question the serpent asked the woman did God actually say see we believed a lie and we went down the wrong path we did not believe God but broke the commandment and our eyes were open to both good and evil. Isaiah says it like this we all like sheep have gone astray. <clears throat> we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all we all rebelled. We all went astray, thinking we can make it, we can figure it out. But the truth is, mankind has lost its way. But the Lord comes and laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah speaks of a suffering servant. And the Lord says this in Genesis, several minutes after the fall, I will put enmity between you and the woman in between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. And there is an offspring. Born of a woman who comes to destroy death. Who comes to deal with our fall. And he shall be bruised. But in that he will crush the serpent's head. And please uh, turn back and to your Bibles to Gospel of John chapter 11 with me. Verses uh, 48 through 53. It continues. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this on his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God, who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Let's see here, the, the council started, or kept on talking, and saying, if this if this goes on, everyone will go to him, and then the Romans will come, and that will be an end of our place and our nation. You With know, this Major miracle in the background. The leadership look at Jesus and they know. They know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this would be the end of their rule. Because first, if Jesus went on and on teaching and healing and working wonders, the whole nation would go to him. They would lose control, and then they knew this as well. The Romans would come, the Empire would send their legions, and they would crush the nation. See, the Romans, like the council, wouldn't accept another Caesar. The leaders feared this, so Caiaphas, the high priest, you know, I imagine him standing up and saying, you know, stop and understand this. It is better for one man to die for the people so the nation would not perish. Where, where is your understanding, he asks. We can put away all of our fear and just sacrifice him. I'm pretty sure it was just part of the conversation, right? But the text goes on and tells us he actually, Caiaphas is the high priest and he prophesied. That Jesus would die for the nation. This is, in fact, the reason he has come, right? This is the mission that even as the enemies of the Lord planned it, they spoke of the fulfillment to come. Mark, uh, or Jesus, says this in the Gospel of Mark For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came not to be served, not to sit upon his throne, but to be upon the cross. His first advent was about being a ransom, about coming to destroy another's kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. Upon the cross he destroys death and sin, and it is at his second advent where he will sit upon his throne in Jerusalem and rule the world and the mission is not just for the nation, the text goes on to gather into one the children of God Isaiah 49 states this he says it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to rise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring them back the preserved of Israel I will make you as a light of the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth this is who the servant of the Lord is he is to raise up the tribes of Jacob to bring them back but the servant of the Lord will also be a light to the nations to the Gentiles the light of the Lord's salvation would reach the ends of the earth it goes all the way back to the Lord speaking to Abram in the book of Genesis. Please turn your Bibles with me to Genesis 12. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, records this as the Lord calls to Abram, man who would later become Abraham says this now the Lord said to Abram go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And the Lord called to Abram, come, come out of your father's house, come out of that land and come to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so you can be a blessing. See, the Lord states that he will bless those that bless Abram and he will curse those that curse Abram. And then he states this, that throughout, through Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, how is that? What is through this line? It's through these people. It's through this nation where we can zone in and see there's the Messiah. The Messiah will come from them that the salvation of the Lord will shine for all to see. You know, this goes hand in hand with what Jesus says to his followers and acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. See, the, the church, the saints, the body of Christ, we who have believed in, in Christ are sealed with the Spirit. We have this power to proclaim him, to be witnesses of what he has done and who he is in our Jerusalem in our hometown in our Judea maybe our our region or our state in our Samaria maybe somewhere where we have to work on cultural differences that's when I hear Samaria I listen you know Jews are listening right and that's a cultural difference to them and then to the ends of the earth that all will hear now here after the resurrection of Lazarus by Jesus the Messiah the, the leaders of Israel started planning to put the Lord to death. They are coming to fulfill prophecy prophecy of the suffering servant of the Lord come to die for all of humanity. Well, the Gospel of John chapter 11 goes on verses 40 uh, sorry in verses 54 through 57 john records this jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the jews but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called ephraim and there he stayed with his with the disciples now the passover the jews was at hand and many went up from the country to jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves they were, looking for the, they were looking for Jesus And saying to one another as they stood in the temple What do you think? That he will come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders That if anyone knew where he was That he should let them know So that they might arrest him after the council comes together to plan to put Jesus to death Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews see we're told all the way back in John 2 that the Lord knows the hearts and minds of humanity he knows their plans so he withdrew from walking there he was no longer near Jerusalem he was no longer outside of Bethany where he had been But now he went to a region near the wilderness, Ephraim. Most biblical scholars don't know where that is, but it's thought maybe near Samaria, somewhere more north. But the Lord stayed there with his followers. And then came the time for Passover. And many Jews were coming into Jerusalem from the country. They were... uh, coming to purify themselves before the feast of Passover and as Jerusalem was filling up with travelers there are people everywhere wondering, looking and asking one another about Jesus. Well what do you think? Will he come? And most people had probably at this point heard of or seen even the conflict between Jesus and the leaders Maybe they were even full of wonder, thinking, well, what's going to happen this Passover, right? You know, all these different events, they're hearing of a resurrection, maybe even some had seen it. As they spoke to one another, you know, the text went out, the alert system sounded, the bulletin came out, wanted the location of Jesus. You know, The chief priests and Pharisees now waited for someone to give up the location of the Lord so that they could move in and rest him. Now, this shows us the plans of men, right? Plans to arrest, plans to come and worship and to purify oneself, plans to, to feast. We all have plans, right? Plans for a nap. Woo! <laughs> now, plans to eat after this. Right? See, I waited until point .3 to mention food today. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, we all want to have a restful afternoon. Maybe read a book. Maybe come and watch a movie. It's an honest plug. Right? Come, come. It's good. It is a good movie. And we see this trap being set by the religious leaders—a trap that will be used, but it fails to accomplish their goals. Uh, Please turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew, chapter 21. Matthew, chapter 21, uh, verses 33 through 41. Jesus tells us this in a parable. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard, They will respect my son, but when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come let us kill him and have his inheritance. They took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They say to him, He will put those He will put those wretches to miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Well, Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 21, and I like this uh, definition, I actually looked up a couple definitions for, you know, what is a parable? Well, gotquestions.org states this, it is literally something cast alongside something else. See, the Lord's parables were stories that were cast alongside a truth to illustrate, or, or A truth in order. I can't even read that definition. (laughs) They were cast alongside a truth in order to illustrate that truth. There we go. Too many many T's apparently. And we see this in the parable. A master of the house, he plants this vineyard. He makes it safe. He makes it ready to produce. He builds a tower and then he leases it. And those tenants were to be stewards of the vineyard. They were not the master of the house, right? The master of the house goes away and the seasons of fruit come When the master sent a servant to go get it. But one after another, they're beaten, they're stoned, they're killed. More are sent, they're beaten, they're stoned, they're killed. So the master of the house thought this, well, and he said it out loud. They will respect my son. So he sends his son. But instead, they only saw the heir of the vineyard, and they saw that they could kill him for that inheritance. And therefore, the owner, the master of the house, would come and put those wretches to death and give the vineyard to others. Now, the truth of the vineyard parable shows us Israel's religious leadership's heart, that they were in it for the inheritance not for the master of the house. Their, their heart was about their domain. They wanted to be the master. And therefore, as we see throughout the Gospels, they stand against the Son and they stand against the Father because they wanted what was not theirs. They had plans, right? They had desires. But doesn't all of humanity, now turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm In Psalm chapter (coughs) 2, David writes this, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings... Of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in desertion. And then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree, and the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like potters' vessels. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest you be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Now, the world has plans. Humanity has its plans, but you know, the nations and the people. Psalm says, Psalm chapter two, Psalm two says, they plot in vain. Right, it's stated right from the get go. See, our our evil, our sinful desires will fail and fall. Even right here it's stated that even the kings, the rulers of the earth, the rulers will will come together and will let us stand against the Lord and against his Messiah. Let us cast away their cords. I love the reaction of God here; He laughs and he sits in heaven he sits you know in this in this battle he's he's not getting up, he's not you know. Rising. No, he holds them in desertion, which is a cool word for mockery. In his wrath, he will speak to them and he will terrify them in his fury, for his plan is set, right? I was listening to a, a pastor this last week and he was talking about all the fears. You know, people fear a, a world of 1984, people fear a world of Fahrenheit 451 and you know good dystopian tyrannical books—they're good reads. Um, but you know we fear that, and he's like, why do why do we fear that? We kn- we know the Lord's plan. We know He sits on His throne. We know He will come and rule and reign. And it was just a good light bulb moment of like, oh yeah, we don't have to fear that. No matter what happens, you know, is it well with our soul? Because we know who the Lord is, that his king will sit upon Zion and he will rule and reign from his holy hill. You know, the unique son, Jesus, will rule and he will break rebellious nations and rebellious people with a rod of iron. Right now he, he humbly calls, he, he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. No matter our fears or our you know, trials or whatever is going on, his yoke is easy. And we are to serve the Lord with fear. We are to serve him with joy. And then we're to serve him with, with trembling. Those three in our minds don't really go together, Right? that we would take refuge in him and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is not to be stood against but to be served because he alone is the king of kings and the lord of lords you know this is all that we see in the aftermath of a miracle one commentary was like it's so strange you don't see a reaction from Lazarus you don't even hear of you know of him again except for one time and, and right away it's the reaction of the crowd and then it goes, it zooms in on what Jerusalem's doing. You know, people who saw a dead man come back to life, yes some believed but others did not stand in awe. But went and reported the Lord's actions leading the very leadership of Israel to finally make plans to kill Jesus which brings us to the time before Passover, before the Passover where it will take place. And what, this, what does this whole mean? Well, it means the truth of who God is, the truth of who the Messiah is, the truth of what they have done can be very clear, but not accepted. It means this: it means that the plans of God will go forward; they will come into fulfillment, and it means that we who trust in Him can rest, because He is always true. You now, this applies, firstly, to our hearts. And you know, when asking the question, "Is is our faith personal?" Proverbs says this: "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction." It's a good question. You know, do we fear God more than anything else, or are we about our own plans, our own ways, our own sin, our own life? Do we see who the Lord is? Do we see that He is upon His throne? or do we despise this wisdom and instruction see it is very personal that we would deal with the Lord that we would kiss the son what applies to our minds do we stand in awe and wonder of the Lord whether it be that resurrection of Lazarus or just how creation works how it's sustained how it comes together Do we stand in wonder of who our king is? It applies to our souls. Do we rest, like truly put all of our weight upon what he has done for us? Uh, thankfully, as, as the verses continue and you know, and we see that he is a light to all nations, that includes All of us. You know, it applies to our strength. Do we use our strength, our life to the Lord? And Paul says this, so whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. See, as, as we live life, are we honoring the Lord as we Take and eat as we work, as we breathe, as we nap, do we give glory to God? See, it applies to all parts of life because we are called to do this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. See, we are, we are called by Jesus out of our rebellion. And by Jesus the Messiah alone, we are transferred into a kingdom not of darkness. We're transferred out of that. We don't want to be a part of that anymore. We are transferred into a kingdom of marvelous light. We are transformed by his grace and mercy to live for the Lord here and now and to be awe and in awe of him and await his coming. Let's uh, close with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you uh, just for your revealed word. You are an awesome God, Lord, and that we would be an amazement and wonder of you and all that you have done. Father, we just want to lift up everyone here that they would be strengthened and encouraged, that they would be sharpened. Lord, pray for everyone to Rest well this afternoon. Pray that we would be refreshed and by fellowship that we would have a good week this next week. Lord, lead us to be more and more like your son. To love more than we boast. To call out people to believe the son to kiss the son to take refuge in him father we thank you for this time we thank you for just our church that we can gather together and be here lord uh, let's bless one bless each one of these people bless us all keep us and strengthen us